What is life really like after high school? Where you been? Where you going? Is your life really golden? Tell Glenn where you been at. It's the Life After High School podcast. Sweet. All right, here we go. Harley, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, Yeah. no problem. So kind of start, we'll start here. Take me through what was your process like after high school? how grade 12 kind of took place and how it ended. Yeah, so I went to Llewellyn uh, for my first four years of high school um, and I graduated, but I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I thought I'm not gonna go start college or university until I'm sure. So I decided to do a victory lap year and I split that between Sudbury Secondary and LaSalle just because of the way the programs were offered. And yeah, I wanted a different experience too. I did four years at Llewellyn. Um, so yeah, so I, I went and finished off my grade 12, um, or I guess grade 13 or victory yeah. lap between those two high schools. Um, and then at that point I decided I wanted to get into the healthcare field of some sort, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Right. So I started at Cambrian College and I took the pre-health program, um, to kind of maybe help me make up my mind yeah. a little bit and, um, give me a little bit of a foundation before I jump into a nursing program nice. or MRI tech. Is that what you want to do, nursing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think ultimately that's what I decided. I think now, looking back on it, I would have liked to have been an operating room nurse. I think most that's of cool. my experiences yeah. now, like later on in life, yeah. would have um, kind of, I guess, um, influenced that maybe, like right. with all of the experience I've had with operating room nurses, yeah. maybe. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. I'm sure we will, for sure, <laughs> in a bit. <clears throat> so, Yeah. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Well, I got a bunch of nursing textbooks from my buddy James, mm-hmm. so if you ever want them, they're all yours. Perfect. I won't charge you for them, but... <laughs> the light reading. Yeah. Just, they're dense, those things. I open one, come on. Refer to figure 2.64. <laughs> but, yeah, so then, how did that tie in to when you found out that you had the cancer? So I started feeling really sick, maybe around 13, 14 years old, so kind of in the beginning of high school. Yeah. Um, and I just felt really run down. I was having issues with my hair, my skin, my mm-hmm. weight. I was always a heavy kid, regardless of how active I was or how healthy I ate. Um, oh, yeah, grab it. And then can you just close the door, please? On your way out? Huh? Just close the door on your way out. What? Close, close the door. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Thank you. Right, sorry about that. That's okay. Awesome. Yeah, so, sorry, continue. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I started feeling really sick around 13, 14 years old, um, and I, cu- I couldn't explain it. I was seeing lots of doctors, uh, my, I guess my family doctor pretty frequently, yeah. um, and he wasn't really interested in looking much further into it. I guess this mm. is the case with a lot of young adults who are sick. Um, it can be explained away with puberty or right. hormones, um, and certainly the symptoms that I was having could have been but with my family history of thyroid issues, I think maybe he should have looked a little further than he did. Yeah. Um, so I guess when I graduated from my victory lap, um, I was, I was, it was kind of all coming to a, a peak where I was feeling really not myself. Something was wrong and I knew something was wrong. Um, and my doctor still wouldn't listen. So I finally, I know, very frustrating. Um, Come on, doc. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I finally saw a nurse <laughs> practitioner to renew a uh, prescription um, when I was 19 years old. And I explained to her everything that was going on. And I said, like, you know, my doctor's not listening. Where do I go from here? What yeah. else can I do? Um, so she felt my neck. And in feeling my neck, she could feel that my thyroid was swollen. So that's obviously concerning at 19 years old. You shouldn't right. have any inflammation, no. um, especially paired with all the signs and symptoms yeah. I was having. So um, she kind of got the ball rolling from ultrasound to finding out there were nodules and then biopsy and eventually pathology. Nice. Yeah. So. Was that difficult at that period of your life to have all that happening and feeling that way? It, it was difficult to, it was frustrating to not understand my body for right. sure. Um, it was difficult to be diagnosed with cancer at 19 years old, 20 yeah, years old. Yeah, what was that like? Um, but it was also really relieving because I finally yeah. had an answer to why I wasn't feeling or why I was feeling uh, what I was feeling. Okay. I understand. So, yeah, I mean, it was yeah. obviously the worst day of my life, but yeah. at the same time, like, I like... finally had somebody who listened to me and I right. finally had an answer. So it was kind of like that weird... Yeah, uh, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Not that it was like a good day by any means, yeah. but... Um, yeah, I mean, that nurse saved my life, yeah. event, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, she did, so, wow. yeah. Man, that's pretty cool. It was devastating, of course, yeah. like, you know, you don't want to cool learn you got your answer and everything. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, no. Yeah, that's, so how did, <clears throat> how did your social life, and I'm, I read about this <laughs> and everything, but I'm, like, curious about this, how did your social life get affected by this? It was extremely affected, so I had lots of friends colin and i had just started dating yes. um yeah we'd only been together eight months at the time um so new relationship and yeah. then you know i had lots of friends i was in college i had lots of high school friends still um and i was a dancer for 13 years so yeah. i had lots of um friends through that community as well nice. um and then when i got sick it just my life stopped but theirs kept moving so I think, yeah, I think they, they moved on and, and they kind of eventually forgot about the sick girl at home. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't know that at 19, if a friend of mine had been diagnosed, mm. I don't know that I would have done any different. So there's been a lot of resentment yeah. there on my side, but also now, six years later, some understanding. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was tough. They, yeah, I, I kind of found out who my true friends were pretty quickly right and that's where you think the understanding comes in where you're like okay you get because isn't there a, there's some form of saying i'm trying to like form the words in my head where isn't it like you just feel you go through that kind of a thing and then every it kind of filters out certain people that it maybe does, they weren't yeah. supposed to be there yeah yeah i think people come into your life for a reason um and and i think that my friends at the time who were in my life were there for a reason and maybe right. They weren't meant to help me get through this journey and that's fine mm -hmm. you know they were there at that time that they needed to be and now i have formed some really amazing friends and friendships right. relationships post-cancer and through cancer that yeah. are very meaningful to me so you say post-cancer so whereabouts are you in the treatment you get treated what once every six months so i don't get treated every six months but okay. i get seen by an oncologist every oh, six okay, months right. yeah so right. i'm kind of in this funny little waiting stage gray area so they, they suspect that there are still cancer cells present. So there's a okay. suspicious spot um, behind my sternum that they can't right. biopsy. So they can't definitively say, yes, it's cancer or no, it's cancer. That's but I do have a tumor marker that's elevated. So it's okay. suspected that it's cool. cancer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, 
Still a question with not really much of an answer. No, exactly. So, um, <sighs> yeah, they're scanning me every six months and we're waiting and watching until it grows significantly and then we're going to do something about it. Nice. But until then, we're just going to watch and hopefully mm. it's, you know, years down the line and not months where we have to right. take action. So, <clears throat> with that being said, um, okay, let's figure out what I want to ask you next because there's a bunch I can go with. So, how did you get introduced to yak and can you explain what that is a little bit sorry mm-hmm. to double down on the that's okay there, so yak is young adult so. cancer canada y-a-c-c yeah um so i was um diagnosed in 2013 and about 2014 partway through is when i was introduced to yak um i was really struggling finding social support or um, supportive care in general in mm-hmm. the sudbury area for young adults right. i was kind of that funny age i was 19 20 so i wasn't a kid to be treated with pediatrics but i also yeah. wasn't really like the 50 year old patients in the yeah. waiting room next to me yeah it's an awkward <laughs> so yeah it was a yeah. funny funny stage to be in um and there weren't any relevant resources available to me and right. i was struggling a lot finding the support i needed so I knew a young woman who also had cancer um, several years before that point. So she was in remission, but she had been connected to Yak, and she suggested, you know, I found this group, and I think maybe you would you would find some some use in it. So she connected me there, and it's just kind of taken off nice. <laughs> ever since then. So what does it <clears throat> do? You guys do <laughs> as a group? Okay, so Young Adult Cancer Canada provides support for patients um, of any type of cancer, any stage, any diagnosis, um, between 18 and 39, Yeah, right across the country. So we have a member in our organization from every province, every territory, which is really, it's really neat, actually. Um, So they provide online resources. Um, There's a social worker on the team who can help you find resources within your community if you need it. Um, We have a community engagement manager who can help match somebody who has a like diagnosis. So if you join the group and you are 25 years old and you were diagnosed with thyroid cancer and you're a woman, she can find another patient or or survivor who's 25 with thyroid cancer Whoa. so yeah it's like patient matching that's pretty cool so you can kind of have like a little cancer mentor cancer yeah. buddy to help you like kind of big get brother through. big sister type yeah deal. exactly that's pretty sweet um they also yeah. offer in-person programs yeah. so in larger cities like toronto montreal they offer what they call local life so they mm-hmm. get together one-on-one <laughs> and they just have social activities they have a pizza party they go to a jays nice. game like things like that Um, And then we have retreats for patients and survivors. We have, yeah, they're amazing. Retreats, yeah. Yeah. Um, Then they have a broader (laughs) event called the Survivors Conference. So just over 100. Last year was 115 young adult cancer patients or survivors and their supporters get together for a big conference. There's workshops. It's basically a big yak family reunion. Nice. Yeah, it's super amazing. I've been going for the last three years in a row. And this year I finally got to bring my husband. Nice. Yeah, it's really special. Nice. I must have. Mm. How'd that feel? To have my husband there? Yeah. To have such a good unit together and then you guys experience that? Yeah. Um, I think it was really healthy for us to both go. I like that. Um, I think that Colin, leading up to the point of him actually attending, maybe didn't right. have a full understanding of how much Young Adult Cancer Canada affected my recovery. And I think him actually getting to come to the event and yeah. seeing like, how meaningful these relationships are and how much support the group can give you. I think that kind of hammered home the importance of the, of the organization to, for me and like my that. journey. Right. It's a yeah. perspective thing. For yeah. And, and he <clears throat> got to meet cool. some other um, 
supporters, like husbands and right. partners of, of people who were diagnosed. And for him, like oh. for Colin, I don't want to speak for, for him, but we don't have a lot of friends who, who supported somebody through an illness. So right. he doesn't really have a person who he can call up and say, hey, you know, my wife is going through this and yeah. I need support too. So for him to be able to meet other supporters, I think was important Ooh. also. Wow. Mm-hmm. So do you do you want to one day be one of those like big sisters to someone in Sudbury? Yeah, Is I. That kinda the... Yeah, so I'm in the process of starting a young adult cancer support group in Sudbury. So I've been connected to several um, newly diagnosed thyroid cancer patients um, across the country, not mm-hmm. necessarily in Sudbury because there's not a huge population of young adults here. Right. Um, but I was just recently connected to somebody um, who was diagnosed in Winnipeg, and she needs somebody who's gone through metastatic thyroid cancer like I have mm-hmm. um, to kind of help guide her, like, what's next? Where do you go from here? Right. And so on. So I, I do feel like I'm acting kind of like as that mentor, right. but I don't I don't know that I feel qualified to act as a mentor because <laughs> I'm still going through all of this. Oh, so. right. Yeah, but I mean, I've been in it long enough, so I kind of, unfortunately, know the name of the game, but... So, in one of the articles I read earlier, it said, what, 22 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every day? Every day in Canada. In Canada. Mm -hmm. And only one of those 22 people will find an organization like Young Adult Cancer Canada. Why do you think that is? Because the resources aren't out there, I think. It's not known. It's it's a countrywide group. We have, you know, a thousand... Yeah. Um, members in our group, but there's 8,000 young adults diagnosed every year. Mm. So it needs to be seen. It needs to be yeah. heard in cancer centers. I also think that there aren't enough resources in general, not necessarily just yak related, right. but there's not enough research going into young adult cancers. And um, there's not enough um, pamphlets in cancer centers or, or support groups in cancer centers for people in our right. age demographic. Is that how you that how you feel the best way to promote it is absolutely yeah yeah i mean if if i sat down i found a local group um called the sisterhood of hope it's all women of all diagnosis i'm the only one under like 45 so i don't i like i don't really relate to a lot of these women in that sense but they're lovely lovely ladies and it's just nice to get to sit down to somebody who understands it but i found this group because i saw a business card in the supportive care department of our hospital so if there are yak cards and yak pamphlets and posters in our mm-hmm. hospitals or universities, colleges where young adults frequent, right. you're going to reach a larger audience and you're going to, uh, you know, maybe you'll see this poster and, and then two months yeah. later, your friend is diagnosed and you could say, Hey, I saw this poster for an organization that yeah. I think maybe you should check out. Okay. And then the, like, you just have to be aware of it. And then that word of mouth. Exactly. Does yeah. Awareness thing. is, is the, right. the first step. Right. So that's why I'm trying to. <laughs> To share this group with so many people so with that how do you feel about being a spokesperson i am very honored to be able to help um promote and and represent a group that has given me so much help in my life right. um i i'm hopeful for what it what kind of change it's going to make in our community specifically here mm-hmm. in northern ontario we do have one cancer center here in Sudbury, um, and then smaller ones in smaller communities. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm so glad that I can be here, where where we have a large cancer center, and then yeah. I can work closely with them um, when they're willing to to help grow a program like Yak. So I'm I'm grateful. I'm hopeful. I'm proud. There's so many 
emotions that come right. along with it. But right. yeah. How do you stay motivated through all of this, like through the whole journey from when you started to now? I think my answer has changed over the years. Um, when I was first diagnosed and everything was very physical right off the bat, right. my motivation was just getting through the freaking day, like yeah, okay. waking up the next day and, right. and, you know, moving on with my life. And I was very hopeful okay. for everything that my life, you know, was right. going to be. Little or victories and stuff to get through. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, some days the victories were bigger than others. Some days, you know, I'm just grateful I put my socks on by myself <laughs> and other days it's, nice. you know, bigger. Yeah. Um, now, several years later, my motivation specifically with Yak and, and working as a spokesperson for Yak is all of those people, those 21 people out there who won't find an organization like Yak. Yeah. And knowing how that felt for the first year and a half of my journey and feeling hopeless and feeling isolated and alone and knowing that there are young adults out there who don't have a support network. So that's my motivation. You know, I want to be right. that person that reaches them and says, you know, mm -hmm. come, you know, come be yourself with us and come, right. come understand that you're not the only person going through what you're going through. And potentially you could even inspire someone or many people to do exactly what you're doing now, yeah. which is being like a spokesperson, being a face for it, for the organization and pushing it and promoting it the way you are on multiple platforms. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I like that. That's really good. Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> With that being said, it's a big one, are you right? Mm -hmm. Okay. What in your life are you most grateful for right now? After being going through all that, now you're, I believe, at the tail end? I hope hopefully, so. <laughs> hopefully. I think there's still a lot of road ahead of me, unfortunately. Right. Um, I don't think, well, I know, I know that. Cancer doesn't end when your treatment ends. This is a lifelong battle. I'm going to have right. to deal with this every day for the rest of my life, um, whether it's the mental aspect or the physical aspect. Mm -hmm. um, I think that my what I'm most grateful for, again, changes every day. Like there's, there's so much that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for western medicine i'm grateful for free healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> i'm grateful for having no kidding i know for having an incredibly supportive husband <laughs> and family who stand by me regardless of what i'm going through right. um i'm grateful for having such a strong community in young adult cancer canada um i'm grateful for having friends who who support me and who see value in what I'm doing and, right. and share it with their family and their friends and get the word out through exactly their, yeah their chain mm -hmm. so meeting you and just chatting with you for the amount of time that we've communicated you're a very positive person it's <laughs> almost terrifying it's, it's intimidating yeah. I'm like oh, this <laughs> I'm is so nice I don't know <laughs> so no. I'm nervous <laughs> but yeah. so where do you think that positive attitude that you have comes from um, I've been saying this for a long time. Uh, if you don't laugh or smile about it, you're going to cry. And I kind of think about that a lot with my diagnosis. I um, have been thrown a lot of curveballs that we weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, you know, thyroid cancer is often thought of as the good cancer. It's got a 98% success rate, yet here I am six years later now living with metastatic yeah. thyroid cancer. It's almost unheard of in somebody my age. Mm -hmm. But, like... It, you have to be positive if you're if what's the point in fighting so hard to live if i'm going to live negatively is the way i see it Whoa. yeah okay. i mean i, I have that some days i, I have that. that those times where i just what's the point 
Do you know what I mean? I'm just, yeah. I'm upset. I'm grumpy. I don't want to do anything. I don't understand the work that I'm doing or the value of the work that I'm doing. I don't know whether my story is worthy of sharing with everybody all the time. I question it all the time. And Colin has to always, rem- you know, remind me and say, like, no, what you did go through is worthy. And, and your story is helping people. So it's not 100% positivity <laughs> all the time. But I also want people to understand that there are a lot of joys in cancer too so if i always put out a negative side when i'm sharing my story then i think that takes away from all the positives like what what are the uh you just said some of the uh positives in cancer i'm really curious because a lot of people would associate it mm-hmm. with negative so i'm interested yeah i think from really early on i could recognize that Cancer is one of the best, worst things that's ever happened to me. And some people think that's really twisted to say, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, But I learned an awful lot about life and about who I was and who I wanted to be um, at a really young age. And I don't think that if I had never experienced cancer in my 20s, early 20s, I don't think I'd be the same person I am today. Like I've learned so many character traits and um, emotions and, and just secrets to life, to yeah. life, so to speak, that I don't think I would have learned for so, so many years. And I think cancer has brought me extremely close to some people. Um, it's showed me who is really there for me in my life. Um, and it's brought me a lot of opportunity too, with, with all the people that I've mm-hmm. met and the relationships that I've met through Young Adult Cancer Canada. And these are people that wouldn't be in my life if it weren't right. for my diagnosis. So <laughs> I was kind of, talking to my mother and thinking of the best way to word this mm-hmm. right she's the communication consultant that i use frequently <laughs> okay so <clears throat> she's watching this for sure hi mom <laughs> <laughs> i'm so embarrassed so <laughs> i was talking with her about the correct way to word this because i'm thinking do you feel that people only see you as the woman with cancer mm-hmm. or and how do you deal with that if so sort of load up on the I think I'm still trying though. to deal with that so mm-hmm. it's it's actually something that I brought up recently in a support group meeting that I had um, because I'm having a hard time <laughs> disassociating my illness from my identity that's it yeah, yeah. so um, I mean when you're 19 20 years old that's when your personality is really right. forming or you don't like, much in my identity before yeah like, you're, you're figuring out who you are and where your place is in this right. world and and it's such a, a formative point in your life and then to throw an illness into that yeah absolutely I'm you know right. if people say like oh who's Marley oh it's the girl with cancer oh it's yeah. the girl who does this it's the girl who does that so mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of bigger things in I don't know bigger but there are a lot of other things in my life that are important also that I would like to be known for but I don't know that necessarily being the girl with cancer is a bad thing sometimes it's frustrating yeah because I think a lot of people often underestimate a person with cancer right um like with what I just said with the negativity where people assume it's negative but you're choosing to look at glass half full yeah exactly so I think yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing to be known as the person with cancer, but sometimes I don't want to always be known as that person with cancer. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want that to be the, like who you are. Yeah. But you want to be a representation for this because you can relate to so many people who... Yeah, I have, have cancer, but cancer doesn't have me. Right. Yeah. Nice. That's a good way of putting it. 
<clears throat> saw that on an inspirational quote. Yeah? I did not make that up. <laughs> uh, I was like, this might just I'll be... I'll take credit for it, but... <laughs> like, this might just be the title of the video. <laughs> man. Oh, man, that's funny. Nice. <laughs> so, in the support group, what was some of the things that were talked about on how to separate the identity from cancer? I think the women in the group, um, this wasn't in the young adult group, this was in our local group. Right. Um, the... So I think that, I think maybe if I had this discussion in the young adult group, I might have had a different response. So the reason I think that is because the women in the group who did respond to me are significantly older. So in their case, right. they already had their identities formed when they were diagnosed. Oh, they already okay. had... You know yeah. their families and their careers and, and so on so right. they, they you know they were very supportive of me and they said like I don't see you as the person with cancer I see you as the person who I see you as a wife I see you as an aunt I don't have kids so I'm not a mother right. but they see me for all of the other things in my life I think if I had asked that question to the young adult group I would have had a lot more maybe understanding from the young adults I think yeah. maybe they would have been able to relate a little bit more um, I don't know that their answer would have been any different because I have a lot of cancer friends, but cancer is not the reason why we're friends. It's how we met, but right. it's not the only reason why we choose right. to, to... It's the thing in common. Exactly, yeah. but it's not the reason that we are friends. Right, it's not the thing that formed the connection. Exactly, right. yeah. So they see me as Marley. They don't see me as the girl with cancer. Right. We just both happen to have it. Yeah, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know, I'm working on it. <laughs> Still, still trying to figure out yeah. who I am and and why I'm doing what I'm doing, but right. I think, yeah. And who do you want to become out of all this? I want to be... I want to be that person who can inspire newly diagnosed young adults. Um, not necessarily inspire them, I guess, but more so make them know that they're not alone in this. Right. And, like, be there for them. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah, and... And um, there's a really amazing, amazing woman in our in our organization. Her name is Corinne, and she's our social worker. But she's just the most beautiful, beautiful person. And I think she is who I want to be when I grow up. And I say that, but, like, I'm already grown up. But, right. like, every time I think of who I want to be and what I want to do with, with this journey, I think of Corinne. I want to be this beautiful, happy, supportive person who can provide a safe space for young adults with cancer right. um, while also still having fun and enjoying life and remembering to just stop and take a minute and breathe okay. and work your way through life right. without fear and, and yeah. worry. And that's what she does really well. Yeah, she, yeah. she posts these little daily reminders on Facebook. Of the, She lives in Newfoundland, so beautiful oh, pictures of Cape Spear or the ocean and she'll... She'll say, "Just remember to breathe today," and she's just this very calm. Oh, like, unreal. yeah, I mean, I've seen her. I've seen her in the worst situation at a great big conference with 150 people, and she's just calm and, and you know, yeah, just taking it as it comes. So wow. that's who I want to be. Just relax, letting life do its thing. And... Yeah, you can't change it. You can be as angry as you want, but right. being angry is not going to change what's happening to you. You hear that? Social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I like that. I like that one a lot. <clears throat> So you mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago about life lessons you've learned that normally a lot of people, I believe, would have learned them later. Mm -hmm. And referring to the last show you did, you mentioned also you matured quickly. Of course, yeah. Because you mature by going through, I believe, I find you mature a lot as a human being going through hardships and stuff. 
And when you get, hey, here's this one, boom, mm-hmm. at like 14, mm-hmm. and then going through it all. So what lessons have you learned throughout I have learned so to recognize gratitude more often um, because people take so many things for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have gotten dressed this morning and not thought twice about throwing your pants on and your sweater and doing your own hair, but there were days after my surgery where, um, you know, Colin had to help me put my clothes on and Colin had to learn how to braid my hair because I couldn't do it myself. It's a tough so, thing to know. Yeah. It's a tough some, thing to learn, sometimes, man. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I still can't braid my girlfriend's hair. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> sometimes it. I just get up in the morning and I put my clothes on really quickly and then I think, like, there's a point in my life where I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm wow, I'm so grateful for, for being able to do this now. And just I think I don't think I would have been as grateful I think I would have just maybe started to blow through life and take things for granted and you know I would have probably stayed in school I'm assuming I had to leave school when I got sick so I would have stayed in school and I would have taken that for granted I would have you know maybe slacked off during a class when I wanted to but now if I went back to school post-cancer or during cancer I don't I I say post-cancer, and post-cancer to me refers to after the point of being diagnosed. Because I don't think I'll ever get post-post-cancer, but um, I think I would be more grateful to have that opportunity to go to school, and I would take advantage of it. And Yeah, so gratitude for sure. Um, I'm much more empathetic, I think, than I was before. I don't think that um, at 19 I really had a good grasp on what empathy meant, and I think that I do a little bit more so now at 26 through my journey, and through my interaction with other cancer patients. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like that. So, with that being said then, I really like the, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah, I like that's that. true. So, do you find, I might have asked you this already, but mm-hmm. with your positive attitude, do you find you got that right away or you went through, it was a lot more difficult to cultivate? Um... Yes and no. Like, um, I think right off the bat, I knew that I needed to be positive about it. Mm-hmm. I think I struggled with being positive more so than I do now. So I, I think I was to some degree when I was first diagnosed. But I think now as I'm moving on and, and I'm growing through my cancer journey, I think it's easier for me to be positive now. Um, but I think it was always there. I think... Mm-hmm. I think Positivity is always in you. I think everybody has the ability to be positive. They just have to have the want to be positive. Right. That part's tricky. Mm-hmm. What do you think turns that switch on from a not want to a want? Again, like I, for me, like I said, I could, I was fighting so hard for my life. Right. Why do I want to live negatively? Oh, okay, you just said. Yeah, I don't want to just sit there and wallow right. in my, my misery for it's the rest point. of my yeah. life. I want Fair. to move on. I want to Fair. grow from this. I right. want to... You know, I want to make my life everything that it can be while I have the time. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is great answers. Wow. Like, <laughs> so, <clears throat> would you go back to school? Or do you want to? I would love to go back to school. Um, for me, knowing that I live six months to six months until we figure out what's going on with right. the mass behind my sternum, I don't think it's feasible until, I think maybe if I got like, a year or two years even with clean scans mm-hmm. then I would have more of a okay I can do this like, right. but it's hard to to go and invest 10 grand into yeah. um, 
into my education only to find out like oh sorry you're actually you have to have surgery and recover yeah. for another eight months and start back from square one okay. taking it back to when you were younger <clears throat> kind of exiting high school would you recommend a victory lap to students absolutely. who don't know absolutely yeah i had no idea what i wanted to do and at that point i thought i wanted to be a teacher that was kind of the best guess when i graduated grade 12 as to what i wanted to be but in that one year of going back to high school that's when i realized like i don't want to be a teacher there's right. no jobs in teaching in Northern ontario there's you know I didn't really know if there was going to be a huge future for me in teaching. So that's when I kind of realized like, oh, actually, I think I want to get into the healthcare field. So if I hadn't done my victory lap, I would never have gotten to that point. Or maybe I would have too late. I would have started college right. or university and realized like, wow, I just spent $10,000 and I'm not going to do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be frustrating. Yeah. Because I find there's a lot of people nowadays who... I'm curious what your take is on this. They need education. Well, not education. Sorry, I'll separate the two. Education and schooling. Mm -hmm. They need schooling to be successful. They think they do. Things. They think they need schooling to be successful. Because the way I see it, like you're pretty successful now with Yak. And mm -hmm. I know it's only going to grow. It, it can only grow, can especially only grow. with the yeah. attitude. Yeah. So, do you feel then kids they should do a victory lap and why do you think so why do you think that they don't necessarily know what they want to do you're not mature enough at 18 years old to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life i don't know at 26 years old if yeah. i'm mature enough to decide what i want to do with the rest of my life right. but i know that between 18 and 19 there's a huge maturity level gap in there between mm -hmm. 19 and 20 20 and 21 like you you develop yourself so much in those years so at 18 years old, I actually graduated when I was 17, because of when my birthday is, but yeah. at 17 years old, asking me to go and, and pay for tuition and pay for everything without knowing if this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, that's a big thing. That's a mm -hmm. big, I can't even decide what I want to have for dinner, <laughs> let alone what I want to spend all my money on for the rest of yeah. the next six years, seven years. Right. So I think... That victory lap gave me that time to mature and also maybe understand a little bit more of what I wanted to do, kind of where I wanted to go. It gave me a lot of opportunity to volunteer as well. I think that's something that's super important if you are taking a victory lap. If you don't have a full class schedule, like I didn't take eight courses um, when I was doing my victory lap. I just took like half days almost the way that my oh, classes okay, nice. ended up because I already graduated with all the credits that I needed. Yeah. So everything I was doing, I was either taking a course again to better my grade or taking something that I didn't get to take. Like in when I went to Sudbury Secondary, I took a course on jewelry making. <laughs> they didn't cool. offer that at Llewellyn, and nice. I thought, man, this is a fun way to spend That's my day. Um, yeah, so I think that um, volunteering in between is, is a good way to understand if that is the field that you want to get into. So whether that's volunteering in a school if you want to be a teacher or volunteering at the hospital if you want to work in healthcare. Right. It's a good way to kind of get a good feel for what what it is that industry is going to be like. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> to close, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? I do. The best things in life are on the other side of fear. I like that. Yeah, Will Smith. Will that. Smith. Yeah. In the skydiving story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Ever good. Since I saw that video, I was <sighs> like, that is my life mantra, and Unreal. I think about that all the time. I thought about that when I was, you know, I 
claustrophobic and I was in a full body MRI for 45 minutes and I was crying my eyes out during this MRI. Yeah, I'd be too. And I kept thinking like the best things in life are on the other side of fear. When I'm done this, like something better is going to come of it. So I think about it in all, like all the time, not just health Yeah, you maintain that and then. Yeah, so many parts. Unreal. Yeah. I'm glad you knew right. said that. Yeah, hundred percent. I know the video. I can picture him yes. standing up on that little platform, talking. Yeah. About, he's like, "Why would you go skydiving? You yeah. realize you've never jumped out of a plane. You've never been in an airplane with the door open." Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> "Unreal." Yeah, nobody ever knows knows that. No. Quote, so I'm very glad that you do. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much for your Thank time. You. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for watching. You know Thank what you. to do.